Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land of the House of Sin and where the studios stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respect to the elders and traditional owners of the lands our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the nation. Hello and welcome back to Cricket by Dummies, a show where we are dummies and you guys like cricket. What? That's going to be your worst one yet. <laughs> yeah, it probably you, has to be. Do you literally just come up with them like right here, right now? Yes. Or do you spend the whole week going, what's something really clever I can How say? How could I make it even worse than normal? <laughs> yeah. That's a pretty difficult uh, task to do. It's like the Australian cricket team. How could we be worse than we already are? We have a big show this week. I'm very excited for it. I don't know about you, including some stuff on the Australian cricket team. Yes. We're just going to keep that secret, yes, are we? Yes, no, yes. no. Okay. <laughs> um, so in this week's show, we'll be covering the news as normal, like we do every week. Aside from that, um, we're going to have a little spin on story time this week, do something slightly different. Um, we've done a little bit of a draft on some of the sides in the world, and we're going to be talking about a best 11 that we have each come up with with different countries from around the world. I don't know how to put yes, it. We can explain that later because you did such a brilliant job of explaining <laughs> it poorly right there. And there have been a few incredible stories in the world of cricket this week. First of all, let's talk about this one from India, Lachlan Ross. There was a... Th I don't know how to set this up. I feel like I just say it straight. There was a pitch invasion, but it's not your normal type of pitch invasion, was it, Alex? No, it wasn't. So Someone managed to just drive onto the field. <laughs> like, literally just got a car on the field. Like, it's borderline ridiculous. You think of it, you can't, you couldn't do that anywhere in Australia. No, absolutely not. It's it's really strange circumstances. Just to be clear, though, this is the Ranji Trophy, right? Which is kind of like in between Premier Cricket and Sheffield Shield Cricket. So it's like bigger than Premier Cricket, but not as good as Sheffield Shield, right? So this is like a pretty important competition. There were some important players playing, and I believe it was um, Gautam Gambia, was it? I can't remember, one of a former Indian player a big, was play, a big name was playing in the game, right? And this guy has this literally just driven his car up and gone, yeah, I, I may as well drive onto the field. Well, the thing was, he was actually just passing by the game, right? So here's a quote from the driver. I saw that a cricket match was being played at the Palem Grounds. After realising no one was guarding the entry gate, how, just a side note, how, uh, I took my car onto the field and tried to meet the players. <laughs> sounds like he's not even that much of a cricket fan anyway. Well, it sounds like he's not even, like, aware of, like, that a game of cricket's being played. Like, it's it's not a big deal, right? Oh, no, no. totally not. It's... It's totally, like, cool to join the players. It's actually done quite commonly. <laughs> it's like those uh, people that let their dogs off onto the field at local cricket games, but on another level. Yep. This, is, this is a complete disregard. This is a guy that clearly was just driving along in traffic, got lost, and somehow ended up on a pitch. Yep. Essentially, like, he got lost on a pitch. Well, some say, though, that he could have just got the roads that are the Indian pitches confused with the actual <laughs> roads over there. Or it could just be the worst sat-nav ever. 
Can you imagine if, like you're like you just you're just on a road and it just says turn left and you're like, but that's a cricket field and and the sat nav's like, I said turn left, damn it. <laughs> yeah, it's like those ones where it sends you down like um walking alleys and it's like Google yeah Google Maps just like go turn left and it's like no that's clearly just a walkway and it's like well, maybe the ground was built on an old like street or something and that's why is the the sat nav thinks that there's a street there but it's actually been changed yeah well we never know there's no way we can know about it but one thing's for sure he was not in his right mind there. <laughs> no um and he got more than he bargained for he definitely did uh there's was a lot of international news this week um so well, India and New Zealand are wrapping up their series. Yes. Um, there's one more game to be played on Wednesday, I believe. But there have been two 20s in the last week. Two T20s. Two T20s. <laughs> two 20s. That two would 20s. make a 40. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah, it was such a good ODI series and we were raving about it. And then the T20 series has been just a big, uh, like a massive... Uh, so the first T20, uh, India came out and just made 202. Just, <laughs> just A casual 202. <laughs> it's just what India does. And they actually broke the highest record opening partnership for international T20s. Rohit Sharma and uh, Shikhar Darwin got 80 each. So they took uh, India to 158 in the 17th over. Uh, Sodi was probably the best of the New Zealand bowlers with two for 25. Which is actually good figures, but it wouldn't have been hard to be the best of the New Zealand bowlers that no. day. Uh, would have been a very low standard. Colin Munro, it got so desperate, right, that Colin Munro bowled an over. Wow, that like, is pretty And low. unsurprisingly, it went for 14. But, like, his career T20 run rate is 9.75. Like, what were you expecting <laughs> from him? It went for 14, you're like, yeah, it could have been much worse. Yeah, it probably it, could have been. It's probably a win. And then, in response, New Zealand never really got close. Tom Latham was the top scorer for again for again? New Zealand. What is happening? Are we now living in a world where Tom Latham's a good batsman? Is he just the best batsman on the planet? That would be a debate. Who's better, Tom Latham or Jake Lehman? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be an interesting debate. Like, he's not even a T20 player by craft. He is a very no. defensive player. Yeah. He's a solid test player. Opens for them, I believe, still. Very defensive player. Like, we were surprised he was doing well in the one day is you're not allowed to do well in the T20s. Yeah, no, it's extraordinary stuff. The second T20 was taken out by New Zealand. Colin Munro, again, you're talking about him. He's always in the news. This time, 109 of 58 balls, including his century of 54 balls. It is his second 100 um, out of, like, I think in T20s. Yeah, so yeah. international cricket, that's his second century, which puts him in elite company. <laughs> like, in, he is in company with, listen to this, he's in company with Chris Gale. Obviously, he's a, he can just make 100 when he likes, really. Yep. Brendan McCullum. And then this random guy from Trinidad called Evan Lewis. Yeah, he plays for uh, the West Indies. Yeah. He's, he's uh, one of the newer players. He scored two recently. Yeah. He's a good player. So when you have a list, that list of people, it's like, oh, I need to look up a stat. Who's made more multiple centuries in international T20s? Brendan McCullum, yeah, makes sense. Interesting that Aaron Finch isn't on there because he has the fastest ever, but that must have been his only century yeah, in international Yeah, he got level. like 160 against England or something like that. No, Evan Lewis and, and uh, Latham, not Latham, sorry, Colin Munro is there. And then Colin Munro was like, no, 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 no. That's not enough. I, <laughs> I, I've got 109, but... 
but I can do more. And he comes out and he bowls three overs and he gets a wicket, Alex. But do you know what's the best part of the wicket? It was a caught and bowl. It's like, I don't actually need other teammates. I can get my own wickets. I can get my own runs. I will calorie you. Uh, I be- I didn't even have to look. He was man of the match. <laughs> I, would I haven't even looked. But Record like, baking century and he's not man of the match. That would be kind of a dampener on things. Yeah, the, well, so New Zealand won. India didn't really get close. Kohli made... A nice 65, but, like, nothing, nothing that ever really threatened. So the two games have been decided by over 40 uh, points, 40 runs. So, I mean, hopefully the third one's close. I mean, it's a series-deciding match. I'd like to see New Zealand come away with something. They've had a pretty successful tour in India so far, so I think it'd be nice for them to come away with a series win in the T20s. Um, England has made their way over to Australia. They are currently playing against the Western Australian second 11, basically, except with Nathan Coulter-Nile captaining it. And he got off to an excellent start, Nathan Coulter-Nile, dismissing the English captain Alistair Cook in his second over for a duck. Not the start that uh, Alistair Cook was looking for. No, he has a great record in Australia, doesn't he? Great record. Great record. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it, it was a very short match for England. It was only the two days, I believe. Um, yeah, we're so basically it's just a two-day match. Uh, basically, both sides just batted once. Um, the English batted okay. Uh, were reasonably convincing, besides Cook. But the second day, everyone kind of expected, you know, Broad, Anderson, these guys were going to roll through the second-string West Australian lineup, and along come these bunch of West Australian kids who batted really well. Yeah. Uh- Philip and Hinchcliffe, two people I've never heard of before, got 88 and 75. Like, really good job to them. Anderson bowled well, though, which was uh, not good to see. I mean, he's getting out of second 11, so, I mean, there is, like, an asterisk there. But, no, he bowled well in his return from injury, I believe. Yes. He's been injured for a while. But I think the most important part of this match is uh, the England batsman called Stoneman. Yeah, he was rock solid. (laughs) Oh, jeez. How long have you been waiting to make that one for? Uh... Mm, ever since I read that that had happened, so since earlier today, yeah, he got a uh, 85, and then the rest were solid. Most of them got starts, except Cook and Root. Totally not like they're two of their, you know, more experienced batsmen. Interesting that uh, Stone Man was solid, but Root was not. Mmm. Mmm. Yes. That was a terrible joke. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you got me stumped there. <laughs> <laughs> and we will cut the puns short there. That's There should be a pun limit on our shows, and we have just clearly, clearly broken all the rules. With Matthew Wade keeping, I don't think Australia will be doing much stumping this summer. No. No, that's a good point. Zimbabwe finished up their test against the West Indies and finished up the series, I believe, last week. It was the start of the test when we were going through it. So just to recap, the second test, Zimbabwe came out and made 326. Masakadza, I believe that's how you pronounce it, got 147. And then in response, the West Indies were 7 for 230. 7 for 230. They're in a lot of trouble against this Zimbabwean. That's a pretty embarrassing collapse. Yes, against this Zimbabwean outfit. But then the best number nine in the world, it's Chris Holder, right? No, Jason Holder. Jason Holder. I'm confusing sports. There's a Chris Holder in another sport. Oops. <laughs> the no, West Indian captain. Yes. Ca- comes out and it's just like, you know, I'm a number nine, but I'm not really a number nine. This is a joke. And comes out and gets 110. Then the number eight with him, Dowrich, gets 103. So they go from seven for, to, for 230 to seven for 442 and go from a losing position to a you know, we're comfortably in front. And then Zimbabwe, this actually got really interesting. They started to bat for the draw, uh, which is weird when you're down 0-1 and it's in the final test. Well, for them, a draw against the Western is a pretty good result. Yes, I think that's it's, their it would be considered a win not to lose. Yes. So 
they they had 144 overs to bat and they did it, which was good to see. Uh, with 49 overs to go, they were seven wickets down, and you thought, uh oh, this could this could end very quickly. And then Kremer, um, the number nine. What was it with number nines this match? They were <laughs> they were incredible. Number nine comes down, get faces 150 deliveries, which. It's crazy. Like, I couldn't face, like, 150 deliveries on, I don't know, a PS4 game. So he's truly embraced his inner Faf Duplessis then? Yes. He is. He's actually distant cousins. <laughs> <laughs> the Zimbabweans and the South Africans are known to have close fa- family ties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually, they're both from Africa. You realise that Zimbabwe is literally right next to South Africa, right? Yeah, I didn't realise that until door. about halfway through the sentence. <laughs> you made the joke, but it's actually... Well, and everyone listening that knows anything about geography would have gone, yes, actually, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Anyways, so that was a draw. So West Indies win the series 1-0. Bishu was the man of the series with 13 wickets. The Sheffield Shield is underway right now, round two. Uh, we've had three games going on with one of them wrapping up this morning and two on day three of four. Um, the Tasmania-Queensland game is the game that is finished. Not exactly the most high-scoring game you've seen. The four, uh, None of the teams managed to clear 200. <laughs> Tasmania making 186, Queensland 181, Tassie 150 for Queensland chasing down with three for 158. The highest score in the entire game was Joe Burns' 70 in the second innings of Queensland. Um, just an incredible, really strong bowler's performance and strangely not by two strong bowling sides. No. Um, the only real uh, strength from the bowling, you'd say, was Michael Nisa for the Queensland Quick, who's earned his spot back in the side this summer. Took six for in the first innings and looked very dangerous. Uh, just, just destroyed the Tasmanian top order in that first innings. And they never really recovered from that Tasmania. No, it's just a ridiculous game. Like, what's the point? <laughs> <laughs> we need batsmen. Like, every, all the talker is at the moment, oh, who's going to be our number six? Who's going to be able to be a batsman keeper? Not who's going to be our number 11, 10, 9, 8. Like, yeah. the bowlers are pretty set for in, the most part. There are a few batsmen in this game that were uh, trying to justify a spot in the Australian side. Matthew Wade made very impressive scores of 9 and 17. Yep. Exactly what's going to get him a spot playing for Australia. Oh, yeah. Um, Matthew Renshaw's continuing to struggle. Uh, a 16 ball one in the first innings wasn't particularly impressive, but 19 off 109 in the second is, whilst not being a pretty incredible score, is exactly what you kind of hope for that kind of batsman at the top of the order for yes, Australia. It perfectly complements Warner. Uh, the Tasmanians in their second innings, I don't know if you saw this, they had five ducks. <laughs> five. <laughs> Like, that's that's th- very low numbers. That's ridiculous. And then they had one guy get one. So they had six guys. More than half the team were like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just decided they were done for the day. Um, New South Wales is playing WA in what is very unfair for Western Australia because they're basically playing the first string Australia attack. The New South Wales attack is Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins and Nathan Lyon, which will almost certainly be the Australian attack come the first test against England and they struggled in their first innings WA getting rolled for 170. Joss Hazelwood did the damage early taking three for eight off his first four or five overs um, including Cartwright for a duck, Mitchell Marsh for a duck and Shaw Marsh for two. Luckily Cameron Bancroft saved them with a very solid 76 not out. However he was left stranded at the other end as Mitchell Stark took a hat-trick to destroy the West Australian tail in what is looking like a very solid warm-up for the Australian quicks. Yeah. That, that's just what Mitchell Stark does, though. He doesn't. Who needs to get important wickets when you can let everyone else do the work and then chime in at the end, taking out all the tail enders? It is what he's very good at, though. And, yeah, 
poor Western Australia. They've actually had a pretty good month. <laughs> they have. This has not been a great game for them. Uh, New South Wales is taking control thanks to the Australian captain Steve Smith who made 76 in the first innings and is now 74 not out on day three in this game. Uh, Dave Warner struggling a little bit for runs in this though he did pretty well in the first innings. And Nick Maddinson, the much talked about uh, player who was selected ahead of Ed Cowan in four innings in Sheffield Shield level this season still failed to clear 22. Whoa, there you go. Question, would have it been better Western Australia? Like, would have their batsmen had an easier time if they sent their first 11 to Engl- against England and their second <laughs> 11 against New South Wales? Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, definitely would have been interesting to see how Nathan Coulton Isle yeah. would have done. Yeah, would have been a maybe a slightly different result. Victoria is playing off against South Australia in the final game. Uh, pretty important game for a few players who are vying for a spot in the Australian lineup. The most imp- uh, interesting one probably was Glenn Maxwell, who got off to a terrific start. 60 not out, everything's going well. Then you get a bouncer and you manage to block it into the ground and it rolls onto the stumps. Oh, so he didn't even like kick it out of the way? No, 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 he just rolled onto the stumps. It was very unlucky. The That's poor unbelievable. Guy. Um, for South Australia, though, it's apparently clear that Jake Lehman is just the best batsman in the world now. Is, have we accepted that? <laughs> yeah, no complaints from over here. I'm not going to contest that. Backing up a century in game one with a century in game two and a 93 in the second innings uh, today. So a very impressive start to the Sheffield Shield season for him. The problem is, though, if Darren Lehman picks him... Like, the amount of, like, people are just going to be like, you just picked him because of your son. Yeah. The people that don't actually keep up with Sheffield Shield will just... The hate will be ridiculous. Yeah, he hasn't quite justified selection yet. No. Uh, Alex Carey, one of the players vying for that potential Australian spot, made a solid 36 off 100 balls in the first innings. And it's eight not out in the second innings. So, be curious to see if he can go on with it and really cement a spot for Australia. Yeah, and then Callum Ferguson is just 140 not out. Just casually. Yeah, I, I, you, I, you I, managed I, to miss that point. I failed to mention it because we all know that despite the fact that he was actually picked for Australia last summer, there is no chance of him getting selected. No. Despite being one of the best batsmen going around in Sheffield Shield Yeah, but if you make 22 for your force 11, we're still going to mention it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. We're not going to be like, he's not getting selected for the thirds ever. Let's not talk about him. <laughs> because uh, there's actually a podcast for the thirds. It's, it's a very popular podcast, as you could imagine. It's called... It's Thirds by Dummies. Thirds by Dummies. <laughs> very, very impressive show. It's good stuff. Yeah. And it's literally just a three-part <laughs> season. Uh, we'll be back with more Cricket by Dummies after this, which is Faker Hurricane. You're listening to Cricket by Dummies here with Alex and Chuck. That was Faker Hurricane, and it is time for some stories, Lachlan Ross. Okay, Alex, we actually need to figure this out because every week we try and do like an opening to this, and it's actually gone. The joke's too far now that it's not actually funny. Yeah, the, the joke is so far gone. Yeah, but I feel like we could do something. Anyways, that's a side note. It is always time for story time, Alex. Da 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 da. No, no, no. We I don't. have no idea what we're doing. Shush. It's time for story time, and this week we're going to put a little spin on it. Not that we've actually run out of personal stories that are funny. I've had too many happen to me, close people to me. Oh, I could I could do it for another year. Yeah, I know. We could actually just do a show on just like funny stories and saying them in a mildly funny way. Like, let's be honest, we're not that funny. It's just like in a mildly funny manner. Anyway, so this week, what we're going to do is we are going to talk about some of the greatest moments in like cricket history. Like, some of the most iconic, I think, is the word you could describe it. Yeah. 
I think I, I think we both try and picked moments that maybe people that people that are close cricket fans would definitely not, but people that aren't that close cricket fans might not have heard of, or well, might have just missed in passing. Yeah. Um, and we deliberately chose Ashes moments that weren't Ashes moments because we will talk about them in a few weeks' time. Yes, Ashes are getting close. Just it's on getting the side. very no, close. No, so I'm going to go back in time. Well, we, imagine the setting. Yeah. So so okay. You know you know why I went on like pretty bad comedy uh, sitcoms they do that back in time music where it, and then and like the screen shimmers <laughs> yeah, and it's yeah. like do 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 yeah <laughs> that's okay so you ready so i'm going to make the noise and then you start your story so it's time to go back in time Do-do-do-do. take yourself to 1981 february the 1st i think it was i actually. remember where i was in 1981 i was uh i'm just going to go full wolverine from x men days of future past here and say i was i was living out of some like waterbed yeah, that's that's a deliberate reference. Not a very good one, but no, for anyone not. that's seen that movie, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the movie. Still didn't think it was a good reference. Sorry. You know what? We should just not do story time. Just like, just keep getting distracted, Alex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Sorry. Go, go. I with think the story. it's taken two minutes for me to say February first, nineteen eighty-one. Yeah, nineteen eighty-one. Nineteen eighty-one, and the series between Australia and New Zealand is one all. Doom doom. <laughs> <laughs> it's the third ODI. And it's getting pretty tense. It's a close game. The game is on the line, you could say. And the series is on the line, obviously. How close is it? Well, so Australia batted. I can't... I think they made 234. And then... No, 235. And then New Zealand come in and they got to chase that down. And back in that day, it's a pretty imposing total, yep. really. And New Zealand are doing a pretty good job of it. They've lost a few too many wickets, uh, more than they'd like. And it comes down to the last over. Doom, doom. <laughs> and New Zealand are six down, and they need to get 15 runs. A pretty imposing total. I mean, that's a lot of runs. I, I probably haven't made 15 runs in my career. No, I don't think you have. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so, Ian Chappell. No, it was Greg. Oh, I should have so looked. No, it's Greg. <laughs> it is Greg, sorry. Greg Chappell instructs his bowl, gets the bowler on, and it's his brother. Trevor Chapel, Good old Trevor. Younger brother, which is the important thing in this scenario. And uh, Trevor Chapel bowls out his over. He's a part-timer, I would say. He bowled 10 overs for the day, but definite part-timer. And he bowls a pretty good over. He gets two wickets and concedes uh, nine runs. So off the last ball, New Zealand needs six to tie. And that would send it to, I think, I don't know how they did it back then, actually. That would be an interesting bit of research to do. But New Zealand needs six off the last ball. Crowds crowds on the edge of their seats. Greg Chappell walks up to his brother, and what does he tell him to do, Alex? He tells him... Ball Yorker. We can't, Slow ball. We can't give... No, none of that. None of that nonsense, Alex. That's too <laughs> mainstream. James Faulkner out the back of the hand, slow ball. <laughs> well, that would, probably would have worked. No, he goes, we can't concede six. Yep. So what do you do? You, you you roll it along the ground. Brother, you're going to roll this one. And Trevor Chappell being the younger brother, and this is his captain also, and his older brother, is conflicted. Because he went on to say later that he didn't really want to do it. Because it, it's just not in the spirit of the game. So he's conflicted. And he walks up and he rolls it. And the New Zealand batsman just doesn't... It, like, he kind of just blocks it and then walks yep. off. And they both just storm off. And it's a really interesting one because 
Uh, Greg Chappell went on to say later that he was probably too mentally exhausted uh, to be fit for captain because that's just a terrible decision to make. If you don't think you're good enough to not be hit for six, because they didn't even have ropes back then. Yeah. It was just you had to clear the boundary. It's just a, it's one of the most iconic cricket moments, I think, ever. And probably just, one of the worst moments in cricket ever. Yeah rolling the ball to win the match. It's so unsportsmanlike, and it wasn't against the rules at the time, which no. is the ridiculous thing. I believe they've changed it since then. Yes, they have. And uh, it it's still prevalent today. Like, lots of Kiwis, if you're talking about cricket, will <laughs> will make the point. They hold a little bit of a grudge. Uh, I don't blame them. <laughs> um, an interesting thing, in the follow-up to that uh, in the next few weeks, uh, one of the Australian batsmen at the time, Doug Walters, made a point of saying that... Um, even if you rolled the ball, I can still hit the ball for six. And in like some like uh, tour match that they were playing in the next few weeks later, somebody underarmed a ball to him and he flicked it up with his bat and hit it over the fence for six. <laughs> Just to prove that you can actually do it. Oh, that's a double hit. I'm pretty sure it is a double hit, yes. But um, it's, it's, it's at least a nice thing to know. Yes. Well, if you rolled it and like flicked it up and balanced it on your bat, could you run to the boundary line and flick it over? I don't know, actually. That's an interesting one. Because, like, they knew the underarm was going to come that game because um, you could hit. They could hear Greg Chapel doing it. Because I, um, who was it commentating at the time? Richie Benno was like, "Oh, they're going to underarm it." Yeah. So it was obviously pretty obvious. So the batsman would have known. Just be like in the heat of the moment. Okay, it's going to be slow enough that I can flick it up and catch it. <laughs> it would have been an interesting incident. That's that's a great story. Just a real blight on the history of cricket, and I think an embarrassing moment as an Australian fan. Yeah, it's something that I wish had never happened, but. What can you do about it? I, I was just in my waterbed at the time. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, I'm going to take us back to 2008, so a lot more recent, between the Australian and India series. It is 1-0 in the series. Australia is up, and Australia has won their last 15 tests in a row. They have been unbeaten for that period. It is a crazy record, and they need to beat India to continue this series, right? And this is, I believe, is the current record as it stands today, the, the record that Australia created over this period. Now, Australia made 463 in the first innings, very decent total. Um, Andrew Simons hit an unbeaten 160, but Australia were actually in trouble. They were 5 for 200 before they were rescued by one of the tail enders. Now, you might think 2008, who was the tail enders at the time? Well, uh, Shane Warner retired, so it wasn't him. So maybe like Brett Lee or something. Who, who made all these runs? Bradley Hogg. Bradley Hogg. Bradley Hogg, in his highest score in the international arena, made 79. Se- what? 79 <laughs> in an over a, I believe it's a 100 and, yeah, so 190 run stand with Andrew Simons. He made 79 to rescue Australia and alongside 59 from Brett Lee, they turned Australia from 6 for 130, so it was worse than 200, to 463. Wow. So, That's quite the turnaround. As you can see already, great start to this test. India bat next, and they put down an imposing 530. Um, they batted very well, including Sachin, the great man himself, in 150, and VVS Laxman hit a century. And then Australia come out in the second innings, and it looks like the game's going to go towards a draw. They make 400 before declaring. Mike Hussey hits 100, and... Matthew Hayden hits 100 for context. And then India go out on the final day. There's only 72 overs left for Australia to get all the wickets, right? So they need all 10 wickets. And with 70 overs down, right? So two overs left to go in the day. 
Australia have got seven wickets. India are still several hundred runs behind, nowhere near the runs. All India need to do to break Australia's test streak is manage to survive two overs without losing a wicket. Now, as we've mentioned, Australia had some pretty fearsome bowlers at the time, including the famous Bradley Hogg, but also Mitchell Johnson, Brett Lee, Stuart Clark. We had some great bowlers at the time. So who's going to come on and try and save the day for us? Mitchell Johnson? No. Um, Stuart Clark? No. Bradley Hogg? Bradley Hogg? No. It's, it's, it's Michael Clark. Um, the, the part-timer, he'd never taken a wicket in Australia before. It was his first over for the day. Sorry, second over for the day. And, as, and all the Australians went, what? Really? Not Brett Lee? You're going with him? <laughs> this is a guy that really hadn't done much, had taken a few wickets in India when they toured there, but really hadn't done much with the ball. Now, first delivery, he has him caught a slip. Harbhajan Singh, who's already made seven off 28 deliveries, gets caught a slip by Mike Hussey, right? Second delivery of the day, of his over, Australia now need two wickets. The new batsman, a guy called R.P. Singh, you ever heard of him? Yes, I have. I, that's good because I hadn't. No, I hadn't either. I was just bluffing. <laughs> um, throws his bat and pad forward, manages to get hit in front, given out LBW. Michael Clark is on a hat trick in his attempt to rescue Australia from the jaws of defeat. This is about as cliche as it gets, really. The new batsman is, I want you to guess before I get there. Think about it, 2008, Indian bowler, and you've heard of him. Who would it be? It's not Harbhajan Singh, is it? No, I told you Harbhajan oh. got out earlier. Ishant Sharma? Ishant Sharma is the new man. <laughs> this is his second test ever. Oh, no, third test ever. He played one test in Bangladesh and then the two in Australia. Now, Anil, Anil Kumble, the Indian captain, is stuck at the other end. He's 45 not out of 130 deliveries. The guy is set. If he can get back up the other end, they're going to be fine, India. There's no way they're getting him out. This guy is a legend of the game and completely unshakable. So all Ishan Sharma has to do is block out the next four deliveries from Michael Clark, not Brett Lee, not Mitchell Johnson, from Michael Clark for India to do this, pretty much, right? And then Kumble to block six. He blocks the first one, Ishan Sharma. He blocks the second one. And suddenly the Indian fans go, yes, hang on, maybe we might do this. After thinking that they were home and dry and then collapsing, maybe they can do this. And then he fends at one and he pushes near just to slip. Oh, and Mike Hussey no. takes, takes the catch and Australia have rescued some kind of miracle victory when nobody thought they could have. Um, Michael Clark takes three wickets, his first three wickets on Australian soil in five deliveries to rescue Australia the game. It was an incredible finish to an incredible game. I remember watching it live. It was just fantastic stuff. Yeah, I'd forgotten that until you brought it up now. But yeah, that was one of the craziest moments you'll ever see. It's not... It's, I don't know how you pick Michael Clark to bowl. It must be just one of those gut feelings. Yeah. And those gut feelings just seem to work more often than not. Yeah. It's, it's a weird one. Go with your gut, not your head. And he went on to become the Australian captain. Ah. Not really as a bowler, mind you. But... <laughs> no, no, not quite in the same role. Especially once he became captain. Similar to Steve Smith, once they became captain, they didn't bowl themselves anywhere near as much. No, they didn't. Because they're worried about... I don't know, looking a bit self-centred, maybe. Yeah. All right, are we ready to go to a song? Yes, we are. I thought you were going to... Uh, okay, no, we can do the surprise now. I thought we were going to a song. Okay, let's go to a song. This is Missy Higgins' Steer.
That was Missy Higgins Steer. You're here on Sin 90.7 FM with Cricket by Dummies. Now, we're going to do something a little different this week because we like to get our creative juices out like <laughs> once a month. I love the fact that you use the term creative juices. <laughs> well, I'm glad you are. It's great because you've got this bright orange shirt on, which really means that you are just the definition of orange juice right now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Is that literally what went through your head? Juice. Yeah, orange juice. Yeah, I saw your shirt and thought, I'm juice. wearing like a high vis vest. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. As Alex sits on the other side of the table, it's like, no, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem with radio, is yeah. you can't see him. Yeah, they're just too far away. No, anyways, so we got we got creative. Is that better? Yeah, I'd we, say we got creative. We got creative, and we decided to do a draft of all all the countries in the world, and then from those countries we drafted, we would make our best 11. For test cricket, yeah. For test cricket this week. And then we're going to use actually these same teams, if this goes well, we're going to use these same teams next week for a T20 or ODI team uh, to draft from it. So now essentially we're just going to do a debate. Yeah, we're going to read you the team. So you had first pick and you took Australia. Which in hindsight was a terrible idea, but you know what? You have to be true to Australia. I then picked, with my next two picks, India and South Africa. Then I picked New Zealand and Pakistan. I took uh, England and the West Indies. And then I took Sri Lanka So that and Bangladesh. Those are our options. So my side, which I am calling the Empire 11, because it is Britain and its colonies, basically. <laughs> you just um, missed Australia. Is India, South Africa, England and West Indies, to be clear, and yours? So I decided... What better way to make a team than combine all the countries together? <laughs> so mine's actually a new Auslankistan <laughs> with Shakib. Because I feel like I, I need that on the side. Because it's not plus Bangladesh, it's plus Shakib. Yeah, so we flipped the coin and you got Shakib. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Pretty good coin flip to win, really. Right, so let's compare opening batsmen to start with. Now, I have gone with the Indian... Um, opening batsman, who's a stalwart in the lineup, and the former England captain, Alistair Cook, and the Indian batsman, Shikta Darwin, as my openers. Yeah, pretty solid. Cook, though. I mean... We'll, we'll get to the debates in a yes, second. Yes. Who are your openers? So, Warner and... Do I need to say who Warner's first name is? I feel <laughs> like that's a staple name. Uh, and then Azhar Ali, the Pakistan. Normally number three, but... You can open the batting I, I, I have three number threes in this lineup, so I kind of <laughs> had to work around that. Uh, my batting order is Bajara at three, Coley at four, Joe Root at five, and Ben Stokes at six. I had Steve Smith. Oh, I could have just said Smith, really. <laughs> Smith at three. Kane Williamson at four. Uh, Ross Taylor. Yeah, we'll skip over that at five. And Shakib Al Hassan at six, or commonly known as Bangladesh. The Bangladesh 11. Um, yeah. I'm very confident in my week, because I have Quinton de Kock. Yeah, Den Dinesh Chandamal is a great player, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, definitely those two in the same league. Um, and then I have the five bowlers, which I have three quicks, three uh, two spinners, and will be used depending on what pitches. Um, so I have uh, Ashwin, Jadeja, and then the two South Africans, Kagisa, Rabada, and Vernon Philander, and then the English quick, Stuart Broad. And then I had, as my four bowlers, I had Stark, Bolt, Hazelwood, Harath, and then my 12th man was Yassir Shah. All right, so let's go to town because, I mean, there are some obvious weaknesses in your lineup. I'm just looking at it and going, Ross Taylor, really? Oh, come, weaknesses, that's that's plural. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Azar Ali is not a convincing batsman outside of the subcontinent. Yeah. He flourishes on those flat decks in the UAE, but everywhere else he struggles. Yeah, I mean, I think he's just, yeah, but he plays at number three. I feel like 
opening is a much different deal. Yeah, um, exactly. It's, it's harder. More, no, well, it's, <laughs> it's much more defensive, and he'll play accordingly. He's quite a fluid number three. I have reservations with him. And then to have Ross Taylor come in at five, I mean, that's a thin lineup. Yeah, look, Ross Taylor is actually the best batsman in the world now. <laughs> <laughs> if Jake, I should have picked Jake Lehman. Oh, my God, I could have picked Jake Lehman and Colin Munro on my team. <laughs> <laughs> your, your short-form team is going to be very interesting with Colin Munro and your options. <laughs> yeah, he's a batsman and a bowler, as we found out today. No, Ross Taylor is... It, my team was very top-heavy. I I didn't really have the foresight. <laughs> didn't quite have the foresight to look a bit further down and realise I have no talent below the top. And then Chandamar at seven. I mean, once I get through that top four with my very talented bowlers, in which I have the top four ranked bowlers in the world, admittedly not all in this lineup, but because uh, Jimmy Anderson missed out, but I have the top four ranked bowlers in the world, and your five, six, and seven is Ross Taylor, Shakib, and Chanimal. I'm feeling confident. Shakib is a jet. Shakib is a jet. Don't pick on Shakib. <laughs> I feel like that should be a rule of this show. Don't pick on Shakib. I think he's a really interesting case because he's the best player in a team that's terrible. So we don't really know how good he is anywhere else. True. I'd be really curious to see how he does in a side like this. No, anyways, yes. Ross Taylor is a concern. He's been a solid batsman for a long time. He's not going to be anything better than solid. Uh, as long as he doesn't cause any runouts, which should be good. <laughs> but he, I think, has the highest runout um, involvement of like any player in the world. It's something like that. That's totally what you want to have in your side. Because that's what's going to happen, right? Is your side will be batting okay. Like you'll have lost three for 150 odd. And finally, Kane Williamson's got himself set. Or maybe Steve Smith. And one of them has hung around to bat with Ross Taylor. They're looking good. Solid 80 not out. And then Ross Taylor runs them out. That's exactly <laughs> what you want in your lineup. Look, if uh, Ross Taylor runs someone out, it's not so bad because then Shakib comes in. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes, uh, Chandamal's okay though. He was a, he started out as a batsman and then he's kept from there and he's a solid keeper. All of he averages forty two. Yeah, all of Chandamal, Azarali, and um, Ross, Taylor. Ross Taylor are all okay batsmen. There's nothing like wrong with them in in an international lineup. They're pretty good. But the problem is is that my side doesn't have those weaknesses. No, your your side doesn't have Alistair Cook. My side does have Alistair Cook. That's the point. I'm confused. What I, is the point? I'm considering Alistair Cook as a weakness. You think Alistair Cook is a weakness? Yes. Seriously? If you're going to have a go at Alistair Ali for not being able to play everywhere, Cook doesn't play well everywhere either. That's very harsh. The man is a legend. He's a... He, nah, I stand by. He's, he's not too good in Australia. He he's not number, particularly good in South Africa. He hit a double century here. Don't you remember? Do you remember the series? I think it was the one we lost where they came here, him and uh, Jonathan Trott came and dominated. I remember one game where Mitchell Johnson was playing and they made one for like 430 they were at one point when he did double century and Trott hit a century. Are we going off current form? No, well, no, who they are is players. Okay. So, I mean, Cook, yeah, in current form probably isn't as strong as some of the other names on, on my team, but his track record is proven. It's a bit more proven, yes. I still stand by that he can. He's very flaky at the moment and can be can disappear from entire series. And you can't rival my middle order. That's the difference. Yes, but then you can't rival my top order. My top order is very solid. Chester Darwin's a very good player. Chester Pajara is the number four ranked batsman in the world. And then I've well, my top four is Warner Ali. Ali is the weakness there, and he's the tenth ranked batsman in the world. Yeah, mine are very solid Smith as well. Smith Williamson. If you get uh, through those short. 
Yeah, but you do. Every, eventually, you always get... You're not going to end the game at two for 530. <laughs> one, one for 620. <laughs> you're saying it like it's not inevitability. I will get through them, and then yours is a bit brittle. My side bats to 11. Vernon Philander is the 11th batsman in my lineup. That's how strong the batting side is. What is the average? The average is about 25, I think. Let me have a look. Is this a fact check? Fact is check it, is by this dummies. the first che- fact check on Cricket by Dummies? Yeah. Anyway, whilst I check this... My bowling attack contains three of the four best bowlers in the world in Rabada, Ashwin, and Jadeja. These guys are elite and throw in Vernon Philander in there as well as Stuart Broad. My bowling attack is considerably better than yours and is going to have no trouble running through that middle order once a few of the top order fall cheaply. My bowling order is nothing to be ashamed of. Well, I'm aware, obviously, they're good bowling lineups regardless, but I've got Hazelwood. He's the gritty one in my lineup. He's been, he he's so underrated. I feel like he's only getting the credit for how good he is right now. He's been great for a long period of time. Takes wickets everywhere. That's the big thing about Hazelwood. He doesn't go missing from series. Uh, I feel like Rabada isn't as proven in that. Um, who are your other bowlers? Uh, Philander. Uh, Philander's a proven yeah, player. Yeah, he's proven. Uh, Stuart Broad is as well, including an absolute. Uh, dominant player in England, but still much more versatile around the world. And then the two best uh, spin bowls in the world, Ravi Ashwin and Ravi Jadeja. Both named Ravi. I have the yeah. twin Ravi spin Arguably, kings. neither of them are particularly good out of India. We've had this discussion before <laughs> where we've said they are literally the top two bowlers in the world just because they play well. They play elite in India. Don't get me wrong. They're yeah. amazing. They're okay everywhere else. But look at like the... See, here's the thing, right? So if let's say I was playing in England, for instance, right? Broad comes into the lineup, Jadeja goes out, and suddenly my bowling attack is Rabada, who's amazing anywhere where the pitches bounce, Philander, who specialises in England, Broad, who specialises in England. Like, I could go play anywhere. That's my point. Is My other worry for your team is I don't think your team does too well in the subcontinent. You've got a lot of players there that aren't going to handle the pitches. I've got the likes of Virat Kohli, Shikta Dhawan, Chester Pajara, who are proven subcontinent players, as well as Ravi Ashwin and Ravi Jadeja, who can take wickets in the subcontinent. I've got Harath. He'll do fine. He'll yeah. do very well on the subcontinent. I've got Yasir Shah, who would come in, proven on the subcontinent as well. I don't need to go there. Hazelwood, who can play everywhere, as I said. He's, he gets wickets in every series. I literally said that a minute ago. And then I'd pick Bulk. Bolt or Stark. They're not so flexible. The fact that you're debating between Bolt and Stark says... It just shocks me. <laughs> Stark is so much of a better player than Bolt. Yes. But that's just the two I'd have to choose from in this scenario. So, yes, I'd pick Stark. I was more talking about your batting lineup. My batting lineup, what? So, Ali's going to play well on the subcontinent? No, he actually doesn't do too well in the subcontinent. He's a... Um... Very, very good in the UAE and in Pakistan, but um, in the pitches in India and Sri Lanka, he struggled a bit more. Yeah, okay. Uh, Warner is okay. He's not fantastic, but he bats all right. Neither is Smith. Neither is Williamson. And then we get to that brutal middle order that I keep talking about. My brutal middle order is probably better on the subcontinent <laughs> than my brutal top order. My point exactly. There's holes all over your side. And then I have probably the best keeper in the world in Quinton de Kock and in reserves, the second best keeper, Jimmy Besto. Yes, in reserve. No, well, yes, I guess you do. But then we're not just going to play on the subcontinent. No, my point is I can play anywhere. Your team is limited. You're... It's good in Australia, not so great everywhere else. It's very good. Well, 
let's be honest, as an Australian cricket fan, the only <laughs> tests that matter are the tests in Australia. Because <laughs> honest question, how many people do you think keep track of cricket in Australia during off-season? Not too many. No. So therefore, my team's better when it matters. I win the debate. <laughs> Thank you for being here. I think you're really pushing it there, but also, we'll let the people at home decide. Am I allowed to say the side note that because I have Pakistan, you know... Bribes. <laughs> <laughs> that does give you a way out if things I, go wrong. I was trying to notion that to you because I didn't really want to say it. <laughs> no, I think it does better go said. Um, let us know what you thought. Who do you think has the better side? Oh, um, it's it's you. <laughs> so in that case, don't let us know. Uh, yeah, just continue to listen. And who won the debate? Oh, that's different, I guess. Yes. I, I still reckon it's probably me, but people can have their own opinions. We will be back with more Cricket by Dummies after this, which is Childish Gambino, Sober. You're listening to Cricket by Dummies here on CN 90.7 FM. That was Childish Gambino, Sober. And we are wrapping up our show here tonight. But first, an interesting story coming out of Sri Lanka. <gasps> what? No such thing. No. So, Sri Lanka, they are, they've had a pretty difficult month, you could say. And, um... When when push comes to shove, you know you've got to find someone to blame, don't you, Alex? Yes. You got to you you got to find a culprit, and who's the obvious culprit for Sri Lanka's problems? You know, you if if it was me, I would be looking at the the batting lineup. We've talked about it. Um, very brutal top order in no, particular. No, how ridiculous! What? Guess what? again. So it's not the top order. No. Oh, okay, maybe um, the wicket, uh, the bowlers. Then the bowlers. I mean, usually the bowlers. Um, was it I, them? Are we even on the same page? Okay, like, okay, okay. Clearly, like I've worked it out close. now. I've you've worked got, it out. You've right. Got it's, it? Okay, it's the coaches, right? Clearly, the coach <laughs> needs to be fired. They need some new coaches. No, Alex, you haven't even gotten close. What is it's, it? it? It's it's obviously witchcraft. <laughs> obviously, witchcraft. How yes. did you not ever consider that? It has to be witchcraft. You're right. I missed the most obvious option. Magic. It, it should have been the first one to come to your mind. Obviously. Like, oh, I can't believe I co-hosted a show with you. That was just embarrassing. Would you like to fill the listeners in? <laughs> so essentially, Sri Lanka won the test series 2-0 and then got smashed after that. So they're claiming that, you know, they had the goodwill of witchcraft for the two tests for the two test win. That's about as much as I gathered from it. I think the I think the great thing about this article is forget run. It starts with this: forget runs and wickets. Sri Lanka's surprise test sweep. Test series sweep against Pakistan was down to witchcraft. It doesn't even fool around. It just sends it to you straight, and then you read it, and you're like, "Whoa!" Yeah. So the captain of Sri Lanka, Dinesh Chandimal, who we talked about earlier, is a pretty decent batsman, and it's weird to believe a pretty decent batsman also somehow believes in magic. But <laughs> has come out and says that he actually believes that sorcerers had blessed his side, and that is why they won the tests against Pakistan. Yes, he said you can have talent. But without this blessing, you can't move forward, which is just a ridiculous statement, honestly. <laughs> However, this is not an unusual thing in Sri Lanka. There is a story coming from the president of Sri Lanka that is equally as baffling. Yes. So essentially, a few years ago, the, fo- the former president, uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce the name. Uh, Mahinda t- Rajapaski. 
Pretty that, sure I nailed it. <laughs> pretty sure you nailed it. it Get really that, everyone. It really wasn't that hard. Uh, my but... apologies to all the Sri Lankan people. <laughs> <laughs> no, so he took the advice of his uh, personal astronomer because he believed in witchcraft and all that. So he called an election two years ahead of schedule and lost badly. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Badly. Just, just to be clear, astrologer, not astronomer. One of those deals with actual science. Oh, did I say astronomer? <laughs> <laughs> one of those deals with actual like space science. The other one's like star science and stuff. Yes. He took the advice two years early, bad loss. Well, he probably opened a uh, new idea and saw that Aries this week, if they call an election early, will probably win. <laughs> that's often what they say. I believe that's what Tony Abbott goes to the elections on. <laughs> yes. It's just a crazy thing. Like, yeah. this is cricket. Like, isn't it great when you're trying to do, like, a light-hearted comet, comedic um, cricket show yep. and people are just, like, throwing content <laughs> in your faces? <laughs> like, they, we didn't even have to do anything with this. We just read it off the article. And you can tell we didn't even really understand what they were on about. <laughs> like, we just we just went off what he said. This was absolutely set up for us. So I would like to thank Nesh Chandamal for giving us the easiest home run ever. <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to help us again, we'd be grateful. <laughs> uh, that's our show for tonight. Um, thank you very much for joining us we had uh, we had a great time um got some good stuff coming up for you next week including that will be the last week before the ashes no will it be time for our ashes preview no i think there's two weeks two more weeks so, oh, so you'll have to wait one more week for that unfortunately but you'll we'll have part of the ashes test uh the women's one. Oh yes that, that will be that starts during, this thursday yeah so, so get we, excited for that no we will have the whole thing yeah no i'm saying thing. they should get excited uh, for that. i'm already excited yeah it's gonna be great i'm it's very gonna be excited. fantastic Thank you all for listening tonight. My name is Alex Henry. I'm Chuck. And this is some song called Boat Show. <laughs> I've never heard of this before. 